This is Bloomberg Business Week. I'm Carol Masser. And I'm Jason Kelly. We're here every day bringing you the latest news from the world of business and finance. Plus technology, politics, economics, all harnessing the power of Bloomberg Business Week reporters and editors. Not to mention our 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. You can download Bloomberg Business Week on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Bloomberg.com. You can also listen to our radio show weekdays at 2 p.m. Eastern, only on Bloomberg Radio. So earlier, Jason and I caught up with a fan favorite of the Pittsburgh Steelers, a member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame, Super Bowl champion. We're talking about Jerome Bettis, the bus. He joined us, and we talked about a lot of things, but we began by talking about a partnership that he's got with Hertz. So great to have you here on Bloomberg. Uh, Thank you. What's it like coming back to an event like this? It's always great because, you know, this is the pinnacle of our sport, uh, and this is the moment where you get an opportunity to crown the champion of a season so long, and and so this is that that moment with the buildup, you know, to um, to a special moment for the players, for the coaches, for the organization. So it's just a great time, and it's a time for us to kind of celebrate the game. You see some of our our contemporaries to hang out a little bit with some of the guys, have a great time. So it it just brings a good finish to a great season. And so when you show up at an event like this, Jerome, in your current uh, stage of life, uh, how different does it feel? You know, what are the conversations you're having that you you say that was was different? It's it's different conversations because – you know, I'm one of the old guys now. Right. You know, it's like when when I first started coming, you don't in, look old. I was oh, thank you. I was well, one of the young guys, and right, truth. and I'm you know young, second, third year in the NFL, and you're running around, you're doing interviews, and now as an elder statesman, <laughs> I come out and I get a chance to see guys, you know, some of the younger quarterbacks, and say, hey, congratulations, great job, keep up the great work. You know, just just acknowledging a lot yeah. of guys and letting them know how. Um, you know how great they're doing uh, and or you know cheering guys up or whatever you need to do um being in the position i'm in now it, it's about lending that support you got a great nickname the bus and yeah, you got yeah. you got a part we're gonna get into that nickname in a okay, second okay uh, but you've got a great partnership rightfully so with hertz tell us a little bit about it oh uh, it's a it's a great partnership what we're doing is i'm helping launch uh this uh program and it's called the extra mile program and the idea is to really celebrate uh and say thank you to the gold club reward members that have really made Hertz number one in class and so uh, it's and it's about creating the experiences uh, for those members and and one of the experiences uh, is 50 people will have an opportunity to go to the big game in style right and and you know my nickname so what would you think would be in style in style is a decked out bus yeah. where uh, these 50 people and their friends will have an opportunity to go to the game uh and and celebrate uh the the big game on either side but if you're not going to the game then there's an opportunity as well for people to go to instagram and and post a, a picture on their story and tag it with uh, uh at hertz and they'll have an opportunity to win $300 in, in future uh, right. uh, rentals uh, from Hertz. All right. Got to ask you about your coach, Bill Cower, going into the Hall of Fame. Yes. I mean, what a moment for him. You know, there's a lot of emotion uh, around oh. that. What did you feel when, when you heard? Obviously not unexpected in a lot of ways. Exactly. But still, with but, that But uncertain. Comes, not uncertain. unexpected, but yes. uncertain, right? right. Because you well never put. know. As right. much as you say – 
uh, and I, I'll, I'll use myself as an example. You know, people you saw always say, oh, I didn't get in this year. And they say, oh, you're a Hall of Famer in my book. And I, and I, I just couldn't help but saying to myself, your book doesn't count. Right, right. Nobody <laughs> reads your book, right? I want to be in. Yeah. And so I'm sure Coach, was, he was in that same kind of uh, feeling that, hey, I, you know, this opportunity is not promised it's not guaranteed. and so he's kind of missed a couple opportunities and so now it happened and it happened in such a way today where he had, he was surprised on air I know. it was just it was it was just a beautiful moment and i was so happy that he was able to get in the hall of fame because he is deserving and really the reason that i was able to get in the hall of fame is because of him believing in me yeah. uh to the point where he gave me so many opportunities to be successful well that's what i was reading about that he really was a game changer for you, right? He was. He what was. Did, what did he do specifically? So, so when I came to Pittsburgh, I needed to go to a team that the 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 mindset was running the football because so many times you can go to an organization and it, if it doesn't really fit, yeah. it, you're stuck, right? And you may have a you may be a Hall of Fame caliber talent. But it never is realized. And he was able to realize my talent by saying, you know what? I'm going to run Jerome. We're going to pound the football. We're going to play great defense. And we're going to win a lot of football games. And because of that, I became the focus, the central focus of the offense. Right. And I had success after success after success. The hard part, though, was we weren't able to win a championship early on. Right. And so that was the, the, the goal, the drive. And ultimately, we, we got finally got there. And, and that was just the, kind of the cherry on, uh, on, on the ice, on, on top of the cake for me. All right. So do you know why he's called the bus? I do, but go ahead. Do you? Uh-huh. All right. Why are you called the bus? I'm, they call me the bus. It happened, I heard there's some like debate at, about it. Well, it happened at. Oh, the, so maybe the, I know one story. But see, go ahead. That's okay. Why. Well, I don't know what story you guys. <laughs> are. Uh, well, let me tell you the, the real like? st- right. The real story. Yeah, good. Uh, when I was at the University of Notre Dame, there was uh, a writer in uh, a student body newspaper that wrote that I kind of looked like the looked like a bus, right? And so the student body at Notre Dame would, whenever I would run, they would say, nobody stops the bus, right? The little chant. Right, yeah. And then what happened, when I got to, it, it disappeared when I went to the Rams because they start, started calling me the battering ram when I was in, in, in L.A. And then when I came to Pittsburgh, Western Pennsylvania is a huge Notre Dame area, right? So I was, we were playing a preseason game against Green Bay Packers. And one of the former coaches from Notre Dame, who was now coaching at, he was at that point coaching at Wisconsin, he brought his family up to see his brother, who was a tight end on on my team. And we're in the lobby. He sees me. He says, "Hey, Bussy, what's up?" <laughs> and and the, the announcers, Bill Hillgrove and Myron wow. Cope, legendary Myron Cope, were in the lobby. Heard him say it. And in the game, the next day, Bill Hillgrove says, oh, yes, he had a deep voice. And then, yes, his nickname is The Bus. And then and Myron Cope, he has a very unique voice. He said, ah, he kind of looks like a bus. The bus. <laughs> and that was it. And that was, that was it. it. And that was it. I was the bus from forevermore after that. That's amazing. Yep. I do want to go back to the coaching piece for just yeah, a minute yeah. because we're at such an interesting moment in the league. New coaches getting hired. Um and the Rooney rule exists, and yet, yeah. and yet, uh, there's no diversity. I mean, there's 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 a shocking lack of diversity right, at, right, at the top right. league. What does the league need to do? 
that's that's the hard part because ultimately you want the right person for the right job. Yep. Right. And and so I believe the NFL has to find a way to promote more candidates because if there's more candidates then there's more opportunity right. for you to like one of the other right. candidates if there's only one candidate and if i don't necessarily care for his his coaching style yeah. then i'm limited yeah. in terms of me uh going and picking a, a a certain minority right so now create an opportunity where you have more minority coaches available now it gives the owners and the decision makers more of an opportunity to say, you know what, I like his style compared to his style. Right. And when you don't, when you compare apples to oranges, you don't get a, a very, very fair assessment of what you have available. And you do have to wonder, and you know this world much better than I do, whether it has to start at the college. You know, whether they're just, Way down. you know, it just needs to sort of like bubble up. I don't it, know. You know, and I'll say the NFL has largely been independent of yeah. the college ranks in terms of hiring. Yeah. Uh, sometimes, every now and then, they'll hire a Kingsbury from yeah. from college ranks. But predominantly, most of your NFL it coaches from come within. from the ranks. Yeah. So what you have to do is find a way to promote internally yeah. some of those minority coaches that are up-and-comers. And they need opportunities to be offensive coordinators, defensive coordinators, right? So that now that opportunity presents itself. And then we had these certain situations, uh, Baltimore Ravens, they hire a, a special teams coach. The New York Giants, they hire a special teams coach. Well, there, there hasn't been an opportunity where a an, an minority coach yeah. outside of an offensive or defensive coordinator has even been interviewed. So maybe that needs to be looked at That's a little bit more. So I think there are some, some – some, places where they can create opportunities for more minorities. So is it just increased awareness, Jerome? Because it sounds like the awareness is there. Or is it like, let's do quotas or something? No, I don't think you can do quotas because you, you can't hire somebody who's not ready, who's not qualified. You want the but guy... But you can at the lower level and then pull them along. You, you can, but but here's here's what I say. What I say is you, you need to make sure that these coaches are getting the opportunities. So maybe you are providing them tutelage so that they can go from a wide receivers coach and know how to become an offensive coordinator, right? right? Okay. And if you can do that, right. now you've created an opportunity for a person who at a year ago may have not been ready, right. but now he's ready. And so they have a ton of... Or her. Of, or her, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Former coaches. Yeah. That would be available to mentor some of these That's coaches, right? You you get some some retired uh, coaches. Co Bill Cowher is an example, right? Yeah. Tutor tutoring uh, one, some of these younger guys on how to be a head coach. That's and I think idea. that's not being taken advantage of. We have all these great coaches that have since retired. And they have a, a, a wealth of knowledge. And so we need to find a way to get that knowledge and get that into the younger people's hands. Just like we as running backs, um, we do. I have I have young guys that I talk to all the time, and I'm telling them about certain things that they need to look for and watch. Mm -hmm. And I think that needs to happen as well from a head coaching perspective. We do it in journalism all, right. all the time, we, right? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. So why not do Mentorship. it? Why not? Mentorship. All right. Jerome Bettis, what a treat for us. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Good no luck uh, and uh, look forward to Actually, we didn't get your call. What are you going to do? For Sunday. What do you think? Yeah. Oh, ooh, ooh, ooh. The call. I think the phone hung up. Ah. <laughs> no. Uh, I, <laughs> I am rooting for.
the <laughs> Kansas City Chiefs. I want to see Andy Reid win a championship. But I will say the 49ers are more than formidable. I think this is going to be a tough, tough ask. Uh, so I'm expecting to see a great game. Hopefully Kansas City wins. But if San Francisco wins, I will be equally as happy because it's two great teams right. that's playing for a championship. Seems nice. like it's going to be a heck of a game. So. I, I believe so. It's, it's lining up to be. All right. Thank Girl, you so thank much. You. Great to spend some time with you. Thank you, guys. You're listening to Bloomberg Business Week with Carol Masser and Jason Kelly. On Bloomberg Radio. Earlier today, we got a chance to catch up with Justin Tuck, well known to our New York audience as a giant. Uh, he had some things to say about the game mm-hmm. and about Eli Manning. Take a listen. I was blessed to have a safety in the Super Bowl in Super Bowl 46. Uh, Volvo thought that it would be uh, unique and fun to partner with something they're known for safety and something I'm known for football. So basically what we're doing is uh, in 1959, they were created with creating the triple point safety belt system that has been credited with saving over a million lives in car accidents. So this year they're, they're donating over a million dollars worth of cars if there's a, a safety takes place in the Super Bowl. Ah. So if a safety takes place in the Super Bowl, um, <laughs> they will be giving away a million dollars for cars. And the way you can register for that is going to um, volvosafetysunday.com. Uh, once you go to that website, you'll have the opportunity to pick the car of your choice, create it in the, in the color, the wheels, the interior that you like, and that will auto- automatically register you into this poll. If um, a safety occurs, they will pick randomly uh, cars up until a million bucks cool. uh, to donate out to uh, to winners. I got to ask you, grew up being, uh, going to the Giant Games, sure. we had season tickets, my brother's still going. Um, Eli Manning, sure. the Manning era over. What yeah. do you think? It also feels like there's an era maybe in terms of, you know, quarterbacks that have been in the league for a while, whether it's Tom Brady out in Boston. Um, is there kind of a new era? Are we seeing that in, in terms of a change? Yeah, I mean, you're starting to. I think, you know, if you look at the early 2000s quarterback play, the likes of the Tom Brady's, the Eli Manning's, the Walkersburgers, the the Rivers, the Breezes. You know, those guys are getting a little older in the in the, in the saddle, and and they're starting to kind of that wave of kind of 14 to 18 year quarterbacks are starting to obviously retire. But you're also seeing a young crop of guys coming through now with the Mahomes and the Watsons and the Jacksons and so on and so forth right. of quarterbacks that are. Looks like he's going to continue to move this league uh, in a in a positive light. But yeah, I mean, obviously, Eli's my guy, and and in some ways, sad to see him go. But I think it's a good time, and uh, uh, so yeah, I'm excited for what he to see what he does next. Any good stories with Eli? Ah, plenty. (laughs) (laughs) Too many. Can't tell us. Too many. Listen, I mean, like the thing that he's going to be known for more than anything, right? Is just how he made people around him feel. Uh, He was a superstar in the in the in the you know the more the biggest city in the world, right? But he he always kept his his he was rooted, he was grounded in who he was and who, what he believed in, and never changed him. As the success built and built and built, he never changed, and he made it very you know easy for new guys to come in and just you know pick his brain. And just he never was a guy that that, that you never felt like he was the superstar, even though he obviously was. 
So how do you feel about the Giants right now? New coach yep. uh, coming in. By the way, I have the same shirt you have. That's, you? A, that's Roan. It is. Yep. It's great. Exactly right. yep. Yep. I love this shirt. I we have that Roan. company on a lot. Uh, yeah. I can't talk them. about them right now. I'm here with Volvo, but I love Roan. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Nate Chickens. Uh, he's the Nate. best. We, we love, love Nate. Let Nate know. Um, <laughs> so as you think about the Giants going forward, a lot of room to grow, yeah. uh, to say the least. What do they need to do from your perspective? Because they need to focus on what you were doing, uh, obviously, right? To me, it's simple. And to get there is not simple, but the, the, the focus is simple, right? In this league, if you don't show up your lines, you're just not going to have success. You can have the greatest quarterback, the greatest wide receivers. If you can't protect the quarterback and give him time to get the ball to those those great athletes on the edge, it don't matter. So I think we have to focus on our O-line and our D-line, shore that up, and then build from there. If you look at our Super Bowl runs, we had one of the more pronounced uh, O-line and D-lines. I mean, from... Kareem McKenzie, Chris Snee, uh, yeah. O'Hara, Rich Serber, David Deal. That O line when they played together, I remember. I remember we set a record one year. I forget which year it was. They, Eli was only sacked 13 times in a season. That's unbelievable because Eli's not moving. Right. <laughs> As a D lineman, I know where he's going to be. <laughs> so it makes him easier to pass rush against. So that just lets you know how good that O line was. And obviously, our D line has gotten so many accolades of what we was able to do uh, in our Super Bowl runs there. So if you par those two together, I think you have a you have a really good shot of turning this thing around really but that, quickly. That's what all the teams that are playing the Giants are like. Look at all the time you're giving them, yeah, right? Exactly. That's what you Makes hope for. Big difference. Yeah. All right. So last question, playing on the biggest stage. What was it like to play in New York? I mean, we live in New York. Yeah. We know, you know, you make it there, you can make it anywhere. How different is it in your estimation? I mean, for me, everything was so much more amped up. It was so much more. Uh, just pressure on you. And I liked it, though. Some people didn't. Some people weren't able to kind of thrive there. And that's why you see some guys who had this all this pub and all this this uh, kind of, uh, you know, fair fanfare leading into them coming to New York and didn't do well. I just loved it. I was, I was a country boy from Alabama. I didn't really care for all of it. Yeah. So I found it intriguing. So, but it, I think it made me a better player. It made me. It made me. Um, Keep you on your toes. Yeah, I just I think I think it made you make sure you had your, all your T's dotted. In your, in your, I mean, all your T's crossing your eyes dotted, just because that's the type of place where you could win one day and they loved you, and the next day they booed you. And yeah. it's like so it kept you humble. I think New York <laughs> kept right. you so humble and it kept us focused and working your because we always is. knew that. It didn't matter. We went on a five-game win streak, man. The next next home game, we were down, you know, fourteen and a half time. We walk in that tunnel. You're gonna hear booze. Yeah. I mean, we could have been eighteen. We could have been seventeen and old going into the. Well, that's not possible. <laughs> <laughs> we could have been fifteen and old going into halftime. Fifteen and old or the sixteen for the sixteenth game, and if they didn't bleep, They didn't think we were doing what we should be doing. They, they were off. gonna boo you. Yeah. It's just. So I, I actually loved that about New Yorker, man. Right? They just they just it's they kept you humble. They kept you. They kept you hungry to, to strive for more. All right, call the game. That's the hardest question you can give a guy like me. Um, we just talked about O-line, D-line, right? I think when it comes to that matchup alone, I think can't, uh, I think um, the 49ers have an edge there. Yeah, interesting. Um, obviously, Kansas City has a lot of edges on other things. Uh, I think the quarterback edge goes to him. I think the wide receiver edge goes to him. But I, when I think about teams like games like this where you're going to have to settle in and really play football, it all starts up front. Yeah, so I give the nod a little bit to Ken, I mean to the 49ers. My heart says that it's Andy Reid's time. Yeah. Uh, but saying just working with the mental right now, if I'm just calling it all things even, I give I give San Francisco just a tad bit of a, a edge. 
All right, and that, of course, is Justin Tuck. Uh, our New York Giants fans uh, really loved watching him, and I loved what he had to say about playing in New York. Uh, also, Eli Manning and, and sort of the legacy yeah. that Eli had. And, you know, I think this year, you know, as someone who watches the game relatively closely, you know, this year was a tough one because I feel like, you know, it was a it was a tough goodbye in many yeah. ways, but I yeah. think history in, in many ways, because of the sorts of things that Justin Tuck said, will be very kind to Eli Manning. He won a couple Super Bowls, yeah. and more to the point, by all accounts, good human. That's what I love to hear, that he said, you know, when new players came in, Eli Manning kind of took them to... To, you know, his side and kind of help them out and stuff. Yeah. And you kind of love to hear that, that somebody who's not only good at what they do, uh, but, you know, helping others uh, and really a team player. You're listening to Bloomberg Business Week with Carol Masser and Jason Kelly on Bloomberg Radio. We're here at the Miami Beach Convention Center just a couple days ahead of the big game. But on Saturday, there's going to be something else announced, something that is really important to a lot of the players and former players and a lot of fans as well. It's the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award. We've got a nominee here with us. That is Devon Kennard. He plays linebacker for the Detroit Lions. For those of our New York listeners, you might remember him during his tour in our fair city with the Giants. Devon, great to have you. Thanks for having me, guys. All right, so... Let's talk about the Man of the Year award. Uh, that, I mean, Walter Payton embodied so many things, and I think is one of just the those figures in the NFL that will live forever in many ways. What does it mean to be nominated for this? Uh, you know, it's truly an honor for me. You know, I think of um, Walter Payton, and just to have my name mentioned alongside his, and then I look at a lot of the guys who've been nominated and who've won this award in the past, and it's just truly an honor, and I feel humbled to be in this position. And, um, you know, I, I just want to shed light on the things that, on the organizations that I work with, um, you know, off the field, and, and um, you know, bring awareness to that. So tell us about some of those. Um, you know, a big organization I work with in Detroit is um, – the Midnight Golf Program, and it's an after-school program for um, high school seniors, and it helps them with the transition to college. So you're talking about inner-city kids who, you know, are working hard in school and they're trying to put themselves in position, but you know, might be first-generation college stu- students. So parents didn't didn't go to college, so they don't right. know about SATs, ACT, ACTs, applying for loans, applying for college, you know, and. Um, it's a mentorship program that walks them through every step of the way um, when it comes to those things. And, you know, they take tours and they visit colleges all around Detroit, but also um, they take a trip, you know, out of the state as well mm-hmm. so they can see a, a school out of the state. And it just really provides uh, these kids an opportunity to, to realize that they can accomplish their dreams. Right. You can't go after something if you don't even know what you're supposed to go after, right? Exactly. Tell me about some of the stories, I mean, and some of the things that you've um, seen happen as a result of that. You know, for me, um, I created a scholarship fund where I started offering scholarship, uh, scholarship and I asked the kids to to choose a book that they read because I really enjoy reading and I try to promote that um, with kids to choose a book that they've read recently and tell me the impact that it had on their lives and um, you know what they took from it and some of the responses and hearing some of these kids stories and what they've gone through or what they're going through and um, you know, their perseverance to get to this point in their life. And, um, you know, it's just really been, been motivating. And I'm going to give those kids opportunity. Oftentimes, kids like that just need opp- uh, more opportunities. And uh, that's what I want to help provide them. All right. Got to ask you about the game on Sunday. You know, you know all about a lot of quarterbacks and trying to get to them. How do you get to Mahomes? <laughs> What's uh, his weakness? 
I mean, you definitely got to make him uncomfortable. You want him to stay in the pocket, actually. Yeah. He's not a guy. He's a guy. If Once you start, he's cut loose. You want, yeah. If you start letting him extend plays and running all over the field, uh, that's where guys like Kelsey or some of their explosive uh, receivers, you know, get deep and, and he could he could hail it. So, I, I mean, I think it starts with trying to keep him in the pocket um, and – uh, that's a big thing San Fran's going to have to do. They have great pass rushers all over the field, but it's going to have to be a good balance of going and hunting them, but also you know, keeping your rush lanes and not, not letting him extend plays and get those explosives. What's harder, going uh, against a passing team like Kansas City or uh, a running team like San Francisco? Um, I think they can, it can both be challenging. You know, I, I'd say you got to make a team one-dimensional because um, when you're playing good quarterbacks, with bo- which uh, you know both of these teams have, yeah. then if they can run the ball and throw the ball, then you're in trouble. You know, so I think every game plan starts with stopping the run and making the team one-dimensional. But you know, when you do that against a Kansas City, for instance, you know. Um, you got to stop the run, and then once you stop the run, now it's like, all right, you got a whole other beast on your hands because now he's going to be, you know, trying to sling that thing around. So. All right, for our uh, New York fans, what's it like playing in Detroit versus New York? And I should point out, you had a good moment, I believe, this year where uh, you had a big play uh, against your former team, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, playing playing in New York, I enjoyed my time there. I'll never never speak um, ill on it. You know, that's the team that drafted me, yeah. gave me an opportunity. But, you know, um, going to Detroit, they, they put me in a position and gave me opportunity uh, to do what I'm best at. And, I, you know, I feel like I've excelled and, and have been improving these last two seasons. And, uh, you know, I'm ready to work hard and get ready to take the next step. So you're not going to say which is your favorite? No. <laughs> I, grew well, up actually, going, I, I grew up going to the Giants. I'm just well, telling actually, you. Well, actually, I got I to say Detroit now. Yeah, that's that's I'm playing right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. so. Wise man, a, wise man. I think man. that's an easy, uh, that's uh-huh. an easy answer. We, Go, Go ahead. ahead. No. Well, I was going to say, we had a conversation earlier, and we were talking about diversity, uh, certainly among the coaching staff. Um, how do we improve that in the NFL? Um, I think just giving more guys opportunities and, um, you know, like – I think that we're going to start seeing that more and more. I think we have a woman coach in the Super yeah. Bowl. That's we pre- do. That's pretty For awesome. San Francisco. Um, and I think I think it's um, happening slowly, but um, slowly but surely. But I think it's, uh, we're going to start seeing more and more of of you know diversity in, in multiple ways in, in professional football. It sounds like, and we were talking with Jerome Bettis earlier, yeah. and this was the long conversation we had with him, it sounds like more and more players are sort of agitating for, for this, that players feel sort of emboldened and empowered to, to speak up about this issue. Do you think that's fair? Uh, I, I think so. I mean, uh, you know, you want you want coaches with different experiences yeah. and, totally. and different backgrounds and things like that and, and uh, who can connect or relate with players in a different way. So I, th- I think that's healthy. Kansas right. City? 49ers, just got five seconds. Make the call. <laughs> I'm going to go. I, I like defense. I like San Fran. <laughs> All right. Good job. All right. Devon, Devon thank Kennard, you. thank you so much. Good luck on Saturday. He is a nominee for the Walter Good Payton Man yeah. of the Year Award. Nice honor. You're listening to Bloomberg Business Week. Jason Kelly and Carol Masser here with you in Miami Beach. Thanks for listening to Bloomberg Business Week. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Bloomberg.com. You can also listen to our radio show every weekday at 2 p.m. Eastern, only on Bloomberg Radio.